look, I want y'all to hold my feet to the mat and tell me if I'm not coming back to see y'all give me a call and we'll set up those meetings. And some of them I've offered to do kind of standing meetings, town halls to come in there and make sure, because I have heard that a lot. I've heard that, you know, there's this idea that as government officials, we go to Austin or we go to DC or where have you. And, you know, just during campaigning time is when you actually come back and you're engaged. And I think another thing is, is to do things like this, like this podcast, like you're doing here. Howdy, you're listening to the Think Brazos podcast. We host conversations with locals, politicians, and policy experts to help families thrive in Brazos County, Texas. So when you're thinking about how to make your community better, just remember, think local, think Brazos. So this is uh, the Think Brazos podcast, and we're joined today by Paul Dyson. He's a candidate for the District 14 Texas House of Representatives, and we thank him for coming on the podcast. How are Thanks, you doing? Charlie. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's a pleasure to be here today. Yeah. So, so. tell us a little bit about yourself, um, why you're running, anything like that. Sure. Well, um, I guess I'll start. I'm a local boy, grew up here. My family moved here in 1980. Okay. Um, and actually, one of the first schools I remember was just right across the street over there. It was called Wonder World. So we're in that Brazos Fellowship Annex now, but I think that I was wonderful. That. And my kids, I remind them that every time, usually when we're driving by there, when we're leaving church on Sunday. So, uh, but I grew up here, um, went to A&M, graduated A&M in 02. That's where I met my wife, Terry. Um, we have two kids, Drew and Jamie, and uh, they're 13 and 10, respectively. And um, so I got into this race, and the reason why I'm running is when John Rainey announced his retirement, we had Larry Hodges running, and I know Larry real well, and we were talking, and uh, then he announced that he was going to get out of the race. And so I was talking to John Rainey about it, and um, I decided that this was the right time for me to jump in and kind of provide that consistent leadership mm -hmm. that I think Brazos County needs and that Brazos County has had under John Rainey and it's something that I was yeah. hoping to continue. Um, you know, I've always viewed myself as a man of action, but I'm also a listener. It's been a big part of me as an attorney and what I've done over the years and kind of through all the business negotiations and everything else that I've been part of. I think that's an important part. I think that's important because as a representative, that's really what you do, right? You're there to act, vote on behalf of your district, vote the best way that you can for your district, but you're also there to listen to all the constituents in your district right. to make sure that you're actively representing them and stay in touch with what they're hoping to see. Yeah. So you're running. Awesome. You're running against. Um, I believe it's two other candidates in the primary. Or one other candidate. One in the primary. Um, what do you feel like makes you different or sets you apart? Makes you the best uh, candidate for this this job. I think when I think about myself, it's my temperament. One, mm -hmm. as I've said, I've been a listener. I've been an active compromiser. I think that's important when it comes to the legislature, someone that's willing to listen to yeah. all sides, try and decide, is there a middle ground? Is there somewhere we can meet? Yeah. And you know, just my love of this district growing up here is another big thing that okay. I think sets me apart is that I really enjoyed living here and being raised here. I enjoyed the values that I received from being raised in this 
town and it's something that I'd love to see my kids continue and something I'd like to be a part of uh, to make sure that they do continue. Perfect. Well, let's jump into a couple of topics. Uh, one of the main ones uh, that impacts, you know, everything from affordable housing to um, any kind of housing, not to mention schools, things like that, is uh, the what? 1,000 people who are moving to Texas. Um, I should have gotten my stats right, but sure. there are a ton of people moving to Texas. That's putting a strain on schools on, as I mentioned, affordable housing, um, a number of things. Um, what do you feel is the state's role, if any, in mitigating? Um, there are a lot of good things about people moving to Texas, but there's also impacts otherwise. Uh, does the state have a role in, in trying to mitigate the um, impacts of that many people coming? you know, every day or every year. So I believe when I think about the legislature, I always talk about it. it's it's the high it's the highest level for the state, right? right. And where you I view the legislature as the policymaker, the framework. So they create the framework that your smaller entities, your governmental your municipalities, the counties and everything should right. operate within. Part of that also is to make sure that we continue to attract the business and the growth and development that we want in this state because that's important for the state to continue to grow and succeed as it's done over the past few decades. Right. So I think that overall what the state is there again is to kind of set that policy to listen, see what's happening around the state and to set the broad view of everything that should be there. Yeah, okay. And to get a little more into detail, um, there are programs that are um, at the state level that are geared towards encouraging or incentivizing uh, more affordable housing to be built in within the state. Um, I can think of a number of them um, through the Texas Department of Housing. There seems to be kind of a split in the house over uh, whether that should be another one of those Texas roles to play is to incentivize affordable housing or housing affordability. Do you have a position on that? Where do you think? We should be. Well, I think that we have to make sure that there is attainable housing out there. Mm -hmm. And that if you want to own a home in Texas, there is a pathway for you to own a home. Yeah. And I do think that the legislature has to take a, again, a look and see what kind of programs, what kind of incentives, what yeah. kind of policies need to be implemented to help to encourage that. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think sometimes what people um, kind of forget when they're looking at it is, it's not just about purchasing that home, but it's the cost of maintaining and owning that home going forward. And I think that kind of hits on one of those big pivotal issues that we've been talking about for a long time, which is property tax relief. Yeah. And how do we get that permanent property tax relief so that once you are able to attain that house, that you're able to keep that house. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, just to clarify for our listeners, viewers, mm -hmm. when I say affordable housing, you know, it's kind of hard to define what that is. And I know it's a buzzword with some uh, some folks. And so I like the way you described it as, as attainable housing. And uh, yeah, um, I mean, I feel Habitat for Humanity is one of those organizations that provides that. So um, to move on to another subject, this one's been in the news quite a bit more, and it is school choice or vouchers. Um, it honestly, in, in my view, 
education has a big impact on where people ultimately decide to locate, whether to come to Texas or not, whether to go within the state, move around as well. Um, how do you feel towards that issue? Are you kind of for or against vouchers or neither? So I think what we saw over this last legislative session is that there's, there is an appetite for school choice, parental choice, um, you know, vouchers and educational savings sure. accounts. There's, there's different parts and makeups that go into this whole idea of parental choice. Um, I think that if we look at it now, there are parental choices, but there could be more. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of people are pushing for. The governor obviously has made a big push for it. And I think it's something that we will see in the 89th session again. But there's, a, at the same time, there's another appetite, which is to keep our public schools strong. Right. And that's what I think goes to what you're really referring to, Charlie, is that, that a strong public school system and strong local public schools is important. It's important on for your housing community, for right. your builders, for all really economic success yeah. in the area, because that's what people are looking for when they want to move or if they're going to relocate. Yeah. But I think what we saw, and I think we saw this under House Bill 1 that was proposed, is that there is a compromise to be worked out there. Now, I think there's more that we can do and more that we can look at. I've uh, talked with local superintendents. I've talked with members of the legislature. I think, but the important part is to keep those lines of communication open and keep talking. It's not mutually exclusive when it comes to either school choice or public education. We can fund and make both strong. And as Texas likes to be, we can be leaders actually in both areas, I believe. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure I would know your your answer, but I'm going to ask this anyways. Sure. Uh, your opponent has stated a number of times that uh, in the primary, your opponent has stated that uh, property taxes in general should be eliminated and that they cause all of these other problems and, and we can find that revenue elsewhere. Where do you stand on? I don't think you take that hard of a view, right? So. And fair, I've, I've recently seen that my opponent has taken that mm -hmm. stance about eliminating property taxes. And I understand why people want to eliminate property taxes. You know, there's a lot of people and you'll hear that buzzword about I'm running my house from the government. I don't yeah. But we have to have an alternative in place. And when I sit down and I talk to people, you know, I'm a pragmatist. I don't want to throw it into a world of chaos. I would love for property taxes to be eliminated. I think everybody would love for property taxes to be eliminated if we have another source of revenue. But where does that come from? Is it a new consumption tax? Uh, what type of taxes are we looking at that we would use to replace and to supplement that? Because property taxes, it's important. We have to use that for funding other things, including our public schools that right. we were just talking about. And so we, you can't, on one hand, say, I'm for strong public schools. I want to eliminate property taxes, but then you don't bridge the gap in between. Yeah. So you are right. I would not go to this point. I would like to work towards a solution, if possible, to eliminate property taxes. Okay. Once I get to Austin, it's one of those things, also as a freshman, that you have to understand is that there's a lot of learning that's going to be going right. on that first session. You know, there's only so much you can learn from the outside. Yep. I've tried to call and contact as many people as I can to try and get a better understanding mm -hmm. of everything. And I would tell you, for as much as we hear, we have a great group of House of Representatives from top to bottom that are very willing to talk with you before you get there, kind of explain a bunch of different issues. I've found that since I kind of launched the campaign back right. in September. Um, 
they've been a great resource. It's like, help me understand better really what's going on. Because sometimes you only get the media story. You yeah. don't get what's the meat and potatoes that's actually happening in Austin. Okay. So permanent property tax relief, to me, is not just a buzzword. It's something to work for. I think that we're putting Band-Aids currently on it. But it's going to take, that is going to take a lot of work. Okay. And that is something that I would dedicate, and that's part of my platform. And really, that's something that you hear constantly when you're out here knocking on doors and talking to people in HD14. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that's below the border. That is the highest concern. It yeah. is property taxes. Okay. Um, and do you have you pro you don't have any specific ideas of what in the long term the um, Texas government could do to get to eliminating property taxes at this time, right? I don't, there's so many things you have to take a look at because there's yeah. been proposals about whether it be professional services taxes, sales taxes, real estate transaction sales taxes. And you know, there's, there's always an effect from everything that you're gonna do and you have to really make sure that you've studied and examined that before mm -hmm. you just say, well, am I just really shifting the burden to some other place to where now I've made it, would go back to attainable housing. I've made it to where it's not really attainable to buy the housing because there's an upfront tax right. that I can't afford now to buy that house. And so I think there's a lot of things that we have to take a look at. And hopefully when we're up there in Austin, there will be that appetite to do it. But I, I think that that is changing around here. And what you will at least see is continual property tax relief okay. that goes through. And as far as, so what you're talking about there is, is things like homestead exemption, that kind of thing. Were you in support of, of the homestead exemption increase in the last uh, session? Yes. I think it was like 60,000. They went from like forty that. to 100,000? Yeah. Yes, I was, and I voted for it as constitutional amendment, which I think um, went about a little over 80% yeah. support on that I one. Imagine. Which, you know, and, but again, that kind of goes back to the appetite of what the constituents and voters want. Right. Um, that yes, they would like some property tax relief and it kind of goes into the idea of also looking at appraisal districts yeah. and looking at appraisals, the other part of that equation. Mm -hmm. But there's one thing and I don't want it to be missed, but we talk, we like to talk about the revenue side a lot because that's what we feel the most impact on, right? We write to check, in fact, this right. month, there's a lot of people writing that check mm -hmm. to the government and yeah. being reminded what their property taxes are. But it's important to remember that there's another side of the equation that we have to check and that's part of the check and balance, which is expenditures. Yeah. And make sure that we're keeping those expenditures in check okay. while we're there in Austin, too, and keeping that budget to where it really is about what the government should be providing, which is the, the necessaries, I guess. Okay. So. Got it. And then as far as, um, you know, you've mentioned several times about um, one of the things you're going to do is try to learn as best you can uh, if you're elected for this position and study the bills and study um, the direction that you want to go. But do you have any specific like day one ideas uh, that you'd like to implement at this time? Uh, should you be elected? So, and I think the hardest part kind of going back to one of the yeah. things that John Rainey tried to get passed is, you know, to, to have bills proposed on day one, but we have to have that 60 day waiting period. And he tried to oh, get yeah, that I constitutional like, amendment passed. Yeah. And I, I don't, and unfortunately it didn't go anywhere. He tried his hardest and, you know, something again for us to take a look at from that day one. But, you know, day one really is, especially for a freshman, is mm -hmm. to go there and learn what's the process. Make sure that you know the rules, you know, because 
it's when you get to that floor, it's not just about, or even in committee level, it's not just about having the knowledge and expertise and the want to get it done, but sometimes there's procedural issues that you mm -hmm. have, and you gotta make sure that you know how to get through those procedural issues. And yeah. my understanding, especially for freshmen, it's kind of a training camp for you to mm -hmm. make sure that you know all those and uh, kind of get up to speed. So I think that would be some of the biggest things, but leading into it, especially after uh, general election, yeah. you know, you start talking to everybody about what's gonna be the hot topics, which I think we know one of them, which is gonna be school choice and public education. Yeah, and if, you know, I've heard this many times from people discussing uh, not just our Congress, but also mm -hmm. the state legislature that, uh, folks are elected, they go to Austin, and they're being spoken to by people in Austin, interest groups, all that kind of stuff so much that they feel that the representative has uh, forgotten about the everyday man or woman who's the voter. Um, what are you planning to do to try to mitigate that? Because I'm sure that you've seen enough to know right. that there are a lot of pulling going on. How do you right. keep focused on the Brazos County or BCS uh, voter? So one of the big things is, right, um, we are a part-time legislature, uh, yeah. supposedly. I don't know, some people might debate that this last session because I think they were in a little over 250 days in session uh, when you count all the special sessions together. But overall, we're part-time. So what makes it nice about a state rep level is there is a lot of time to stay connected here in your no. district, but it is still incumbent upon us as representatives to make sure that we are. Um, one of people that I really look up to, Bill Flores, you know, one of the things he used to do is hold town halls. It's something that I really like. Yeah. I like that engagement in the community engagement. I think that's what you have to be as a representative. It goes back to what I was saying before about listening. That's one of the biggest parts of our job is to listen. Because how do you know if you're voting your district if you're not actually listening to what people in your district are saying? And you know, another thing is we won't all agree. And we have to understand that going in, we're not gonna all agree. But I've always told people, the thing is you'll know where I stood, why I did what I did. There'll be that transparency. And I'll explain to you why I made the votes the way that I did. And so I've kind of gone to different groups that uh, local groups here and told them, look, I want y'all to hold my feet to the mat and tell me if I'm not coming back to see y'all give me a call and we'll set up those meetings. And some of them I've offered to do kind of standing meetings, town halls to come in there and make sure, because I have heard that a lot. I've heard that, you know, there's this idea that as government officials, we go to Austin or we go to DC or where have you. And, you know, just during campaigning time is when you actually come back and you're engaged. And I think another thing is, is to do things like this, like this podcast, like you're doing here. It's just as much community engagement as you can keep. WTAW does a good mm -hmm. job. Try and stay connected. We can't connect individually all the time, but it's one of those, your constituents deserve to know exactly what's going on and what, what you've been doing. So, well, is there anything else you would want the voter to know or anything you want to add uh, campaign campaign uh, website, things like that? Well, so my campaign website is DysonForTexas.com. Like I said, we've been running since about September. We have tremendous momentum. Please go to the website, check out all the different endorsements. But really means a lot to me is there's a lot of community leaders, people that I've known since I was little, people that have known my mom and my dad that have come out and support. And that's always been a big thing for me. And if you'd like to be involved, if you'd like to help out, we are always looking for extra volunteers. There are a lot of doors to knock and I would love to knock on every single one. I 
it seems to be a little bit of a fantasy right now to be able to get all that done based on what my block walking has been so far and out there. But you will see me. If you ever see me around town, please stop me. Say hi. I'd love to get to know you. Um, and to be fair, no matter what end of the political spectrum you may be on, I will be your representative when elected. And so I will elect, I will represent everybody that's in this district. Okay. So. Well, thank you so much for coming today. Um, again, this has been Paul Dyson representative or running for the house of representatives um 14. that's right. 14. Uh, charlie thank and i you. want to appreciate everything you do thank you the think process podcast is brought to you by bryan college station habitat for humanity our mission is a community where everyone can afford a home they're proud of habitat is a 501c3 charitable organization so we do not make political endorsements If you'd like to support our work in the community, you can make a tax-deductible donation online at habitatbcs.org. The Think Brasses podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts and on our website at thinkbrasses.org. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel if you'd prefer to watch videos of our conversations. Thanks for listening, and just remember, think local, think brasses. Think Brasses.